proper response to grace. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. You've been shown grace, mercy, and not just any grace or mercy, but amazing, eternal grace and mercy. How do you respond? What would your actions be if you truly understood and knew what it was you were saved from and who it was you were saved to? One woman knew, and it was the reason for her extravagant love and triumphant praise, as we read here in John chapter 12. We'll continue to examine this passage together. Join us. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Once again, with a look at John 12, here's Pastor Phil. In the midst of this marvelous pouring out of love, uh, she's going to start being rebuked. She's going to start being told, you're stupid. You don't know how to manage money. You you don't, this is a waste. This is a waste. Anything you give to God is a waste. I take Money Magazine, and I take a few other magazines about money, and I barely get to read them. They're all telling me how to be rich. I've never had one of them tell me to be a giver. I've never had one chapter in that magazine that said, you ought to give to God first, and matter of fact, be as generous with God as you can. I've gone to some seminars on financial planning, Now, I know some financial planners that know the Lord. They've got a different perspective. But you're not going to find many of us that, by the way, you need to make an extravagant gift to the Lord Jesus Christ at this Christmas season. Nobody on Wall Street's going to tell you to do that. No, no, no. And so we get a Wall Street rep here called Judas, who is a crook. And he begins to make the protest. I... I have to say, Christ is the only object of your heart that you really can't ever give too much. Um, we'll look at our own lives after a while when I go home with this sermon. But here's this woman pouring out this unadulterated, overwhelming devotion. And the shock in it all is that there'd be any opponents they happened to be all men. Isn't that interesting? And the disciples were indignant, Matthew 26. Here we just focus in on Judas. Maybe he led the pack and created one, you know, bad apple can sour everybody. And so Judas, he begins to protest. No, no, uh, you're not using God's money. The, you notice it was her money anyway. Aren't some people experts at telling you how to spend your money? Judas, this hasn't cost you a dime. Not one dime. But you're an expert. You're an expert because you handle the little bag of money. You're the church treasurer. Tell Ron I wasn't picking on him. Uh, And he says, why wasn't this perfume sold? There's 300 denarii and give it to the people. That's a year's wages. In the Gospels, a denarii was one day's worth of wages. You take out the 52 Sabbaths, and you got about a year's worth of wages. And notice, he didn't say this because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box. He used to pilfer what was 
put into it. And it's a present tense. He was always, always stealing from the money that came into the disciples, came into Christ. And then Christ speaks up. Let her alone that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with me, with you, but you do not always have me. Three parts of the rebuke. And I start at verse 8, work my way backwards. Uh, The first thing, leave her alone. You don't always have me near. The days of my incarnation are about over. The days that you could touch me, the days that you could do. I'm going to be gone within a week. I'm going to be gone. You will not always have me as I'm with you now in this body. The next time you see me in a body, you'll see a glorified, nail-pierced body. You'll be at the cross as many of you as make the trip because many of you fled me that night. You never even got close to the cross. John got close. But I want to tell you, the rest of the disciples weren't hanging out at Golgotha. They were hiding. They were running. We've got to be sure, and I ask you, when that offering plate goes around, when we talk about service, If you don't have Jesus in view, you're a vain worshiper and you need your money refunded. But we're not going to do it. It's a 90-day offer. You can put into a lot of offerings and it never register in heaven. Because unless Jesus is the object of your affections and the goal, you're just in another form of religion that is powerless and wasted effort. You're just a philanthropist, but not really a worshiper. And so, he says, she did the right thing. She redeemed the opportunity. Right now, she sees me. Right now, she did it. Two, I'm not against you being good to the poor, but you'll have over 2,000 years to do that. She's only got this moment to have me. Only a week will I be around. The poor you have always. And no one said to be good to the poor any more than God. So he's not contradicting himself. But you've got me in your midst. You don't have a great burden for the poor. When did Judas ever help the poor? When did those that would interrupt the worship of Jesus and the extravagant display of love that gives large sums of money, that takes your hair A Jewish woman to do this, she broke all protocol because Jewish women were not allowed to have their hair down in public. But she undid it because Numbers 5 said when a woman was accused of adultery, she had to let her hair down and let the priest examine her. It was a shameful thing, but she abandoned all custom, all that went on. I'm going to turn my hair into the towel that washes his feet and wipes all this ointment. What I tell you, if I was a woman, I cannot imagine as a believing woman that I'd ever use my hair for anything greater. I wash the feet of my Messiah in the ointment, and I use my hair. What good is hair? What good is a body if it's not put at his feet and turned into his service? And so he says, hey, don't leave her alone. 
You don't always have me. You'll always have the poor. And then she's done this for the day of my burial. And, and this is almost prophetic. I don't know that Mary said, I know he's going to be dead soon. We don't know. It, it, it's a tough verse. But maybe it's the idea, I'm entering into his suffering. I've been saving this ointment for my own funeral. Because in Bible lands, decomposition happened quick. They expected the tomb to be full of stench when they went there for Lazarus. So he said, my Savior, my Savior will have the most precious ointment that can be bought. He will not fill a tomb full of human odor from dying and decomposition. Something I must tell you. God had promised Messiah in Psalms 110, when you die, I will see to it that no decomposition happens to your body those three days. He would not let his beloved see the corruption of the worm. Psalms 110. So there was no stench when you came to Christ's tomb. God took care of all the decomposition. But this woman, she doesn't know that. And she said, I am going to give now. My Savior shall be buried with the best of them. I've entered into his sufferings, and I want to give what I've got to him. So, Peter, he's in there with the other disciples. They're all angry about this. Judas is the spokesman. Judas don't. I want to rebuke you. I won't always be here. The poor will be. And she's done something that anticipates the day of my burial. She did the deed now. And you know what? This Mary didn't go to the tomb. She didn't go on that resurrection morning. Mary Magdalene went, but not this Mary. And so, uh, you see this contrast. Why did Judas have that attitude? Where did that come from? Uh, something is scary. Your attitude about money might indicate your spiritual danger. God told a young pastor in Ephesus, Timothy, Timothy, don't determine to get rich, for if you do, you will fall into diverse temptations that drown the souls of men. He said it to a pastor, not a financial planner, not a businessman, but a young pastor. I know when I started this church, my father asked me, what are you going to do to pay your bills? I said, well, I'm going to just pray and trust God. And if he doesn't take care of me, I'm leaving the ministry. There's no need of representing a God that can't take care of me. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, I've studied, been preaching, been going to school. I'm coming here to start a church. I didn't come here to be a part-time pastor. Well, well, there's no money. I know that, but there's still God, isn't there? Well, for whatever reason, I'm still here. I obviously have made it. I've obviously eaten. God obviously kept his word. And when we had the least... He supplied in abundant ways. You, you see, God doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. And he had all of Mary. He had all of Martha. 
looking in that room, two women pouring out the worship, one in service, the other in an extravagant gift, while the rest, and, and of course, Lazarus is saying nothing, but the, the rest of the spiritual elite are griping about the deed. I, I find it, it's an amazing thing until you get in church work and see people's about money. It's always good enough for them, but they get nervous if you pour out too much of it on others and God's church, God's missionaries, God's work, God's work. But they could always want the best for them. But if it's for God and the church, give them leftovers. Because Christ is not the treasure of their life. These women, he was their treasure. Well, he does this strong rebuke. And uh, I think we have to notice this. Judas had always been a thief, never quit stealing. But the woman that was always at his feet, which meant the place of humility, the place of the learner, you often sat at the feet of a rabbi and you were being taught. Those who sit at the feet of Jesus are the ones who give the greatest of their life, their service, whatever means they have. And so uh, uh, I would just say to you and I, uh, let me ask you this question. Which crowd are you in? You know, we had, we had people leave the church during uh, February and March because we were talking about money. Well, they won't quit honoring uh, Christmas. And all of December is going to be about money. You don't know that? It's all about money. A pagan world loves Christmas. Not Christ, Christmas. Without the Christ. They love money. They balance their books in December. They either make or break in December. Let me say something to you. Don't let the merchants of the earth rob you of the adoration due Christ in December. Come, let us adore him. Bow down before him. The merchants, they want to get rich. I don't care if they're Muslim, so-called Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, they want to make a buck in December, and they hope you'll forget Christ, you'll remember uh, Rudolph, and that you'll remember a fictitious man at the North Pole. Uh, please, please deliver me from the myths. I'm worshiping a Christ who left a throne and the attendance of angels to become poor, that I might become rich. That's who I will adore. I'll give a gift if I want to, but he's our adoration. He's our adoration. So I want to ask you some things. Uh, let's leave Judas there. Let's leave Mary. If I was to just ask you this question, where are you in the narrative? Now, we don't have time to develop the triumphal entry that he goes on from there, and they begin to shout, Hosanna. This is the king. The common people were receiving him gladly. The religious leaders are pulling strings to get him killed. Where do you fit in all of this? Well, you're in some kind of category. I don't know. You might just come along to see this wonder worker that can raise the dead, but you're not going to believe in him. They couldn't, be, they couldn't undo the fact. The whole community saw this resurrection. They, they couldn't get it out. The whole world, it seemed, was going after him. 
But where are you in the room? If you were in that room, what would you be doing if you had Christ only one more week with you? Let me just raise the best things you could be doing. When are you going to serve Christ? The church is filled with people that are critics, uh, uh, telling the church how it ought to spend its money, how long the sermon ought to be, and what the music ought to be. Why don't you just hush? Why don't you ask the question about what you can do, not what we're doing? What are you doing? You. I'm talking to you. How are you serving Jesus Christ and his church? Did you know this is the only thing that's going to last? Everybody that, you know, voted Republican is now in despair because a Democrat president went back in. You ought to be ashamed that your hope is on politics. I thought you were serving Christ. I thought it was Christ that you were looking to. I thought it was Christ rules all the events of history that is orchestrating everything. And especially if you think Jesus is coming soon and this is going to hasten it. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come quickly. We've been putting up with Hitler's Mussolini's and a lot worse, but we're not. Cut it out. What are you going to do in the meantime? You. Don't look at anybody else. I'm talking to you. The you, I mean you in the pew. Where do you serve until you see him? Where do you serve Jesus Christ? Yeah, I'm not asking you to serve me. I'm not asking you to serve this church. Why don't you serve the one that raises the dead? Uh, what, what would you do? Have you, ever, have you ever offered him thanks and adoration for saving your marriage? For saving you? Uh, has he saved any of your children? I watched this PBS special. It's on TV last week. One of our saints told me about it. Monday, Sunday and Monday night, the Dust Bowl, 1930 to 1937. Up there in Amarillo and in the panhandle of Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. Boy, they were a poor lot. Poor lot. Didn't have a chance. When they came to California, they had in this documentary, they said, Okies and niggers sat here. And they put them in the attics of theaters. Whites and poor, poor whites and poor blacks. Treated like dirt. Well, you would be just amazed. My people were among those white trash people that God saved. My people were those people. The only treasure we ever found in all of life was Jesus. Jesus is the only treasure that he'd won us. I just ask you, what are you giving him back? He raised the dead. He raised you. You used to be dead in sin. If you're saved, it's the amazing grace of God. Will you serve him? Uh, what about, what have you ever laid at his feet? Uh, I was a kid. I had no money, so I laid myself on the altar. All I have to give is me. And you know what? That's really all I got now. The money's all monopoly money. It's going anyway. That doesn't matter. Does he have me? Does he have you? 
Or would you be upset that things weren't going just right? You don't want to tell the church how to spend the money, how to do this, do that, do that, while you do nothing. Just a church expert, a worship expert. You hypocrite. Don't tell me how to worship. Are you worshiping? Are you adoring? Are you at his feet? Nobody can answer that but you. And then you won't always penny pinch and get all when you want to get tight. Be tight with yourself, never in your adoration of Jesus. He is the treasure of our heart. He's worth more than we could ever give. How can you ever be extravagant in your gifts to Jesus? We can never give what he's worth. Worship is giving him his worth. I, I often think uh, that uh, Carol and I were going down to a uh, uh, Bible conference with Jews for Jesus uh, in Santa Cruz area. And on the way down, we thought, well, we'd get in a romantic mood. We'd play Barbara Streisand. And uh, she started singing, you don't bring me roses anymore. And we're both about to cry. And good night. I wanted to put a lip lock on her right there in the car. I'll bring you a rose here. You know, but the story's sad. The song's sad. Faded love is one of the greatest heartbreaks in life. And it's one thing for you to fall out of love with your wife or your husband. And you know what? I could tell you a thousand reasons why that doesn't sound too bad when you know all of your imperfections. But I can never understand why you fall out of love with Jesus. I never can understand. I've done it. But it's never made sense that he becomes a strain. Prayer, oh, do I have to pray today? No, no, you can worry. Worry. Do that. You're good at it. Buy some more Tums. Because he said if you pray, you won't worry. So whatever you want to do. Uh, do we have to go to church? No, stay home. Stay home. Well, I can live it just as good at home. Do you? No, you don't. Where do you serve? Your backyard? Your garage, your accounts, your portfolio. When have you ever done anything that the world saw it? I'm amazed. And I close with this. With uh, my brother and sister went to the same tax person for years, and every year they would both go through this little thing when they did their taxes. This individual, not a believer, and. Uh, uh, whatever, and they would keep saying, you're giving too much money to the church. And one year, my brother David, in his kind, non-abrasive way, he said, that is none of your business. I, I pay you to do my taxes, not to where I give my money. Guess what? After going there for years, this woman has been converted and now when they go in to do taxes, he said, I'm getting just like you. I can't give enough to it. I can't give enough to it. Because she knows him. When you know him, you can't adore him enough, can you? You can't adore him enough. Life forever in Jesus Christ. That's the title of our series here in the book of John. And we trust our time together today has encouraged you in Christ as we work our way through this wonderful gospel. 
It is our hope and prayer that chapter 20 and verse 31 will come to bear on your own heart and mind, and that you understand why John wrote what he wrote, for the purpose of believing and having life eternal in Christ. To review a copy of today's program or to obtain the entire series, we would ask you to get in touch with us here at Truth For Today, and there are a couple of ways to do so. You can call us at 855-833-9864, or you can stop by our website, valleybible.org, and take advantage of the resource materials that we have posted there as well. You're also welcome to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code 94547. And as always, your gifts make a great difference here at the ministry. No matter how large or how small, your financial contributions to this ministry allow us to continue presenting the gospel here on KFAX. As a TFT sustainer, we would also like to pass along your way a quarterly newsletter along with our once-a-year special gift and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional that we have. Again, these are all just simple ways of saying thank you for supporting us financially, realizing that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX through your financial involvement as well as your prayerful support. One other note as we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You can find out all of the details and directions at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure to share God's Word with you. And we look forward to the next time when we can do it again here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. <music>